Today's scripture comes from John 1 through 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. This is the Word of God for the people of God. For the past couple of weeks, we've been diving in and unwrapping and unpacking, to use that terminology, about this time of year. Uh, the names of Jesus, what Christ has come to do, and uh, what the names of Jesus actually mean. Those names that tell about who he is for us and with us. This morning, we continue to look to those uh, prophetic voices prophesying in the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament. And we look also to the Gospels and how Jesus has come to this world enfleshed in this world as well. So far, we've looked at Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And last week, Pastor Emily lifted up the name of Jesus that the angel Gabriel gave to Mary, the mother of Jesus, in saying that you will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to name him Jesus. Today we look to the name of Jesus in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, the Word. Will you pray with me? Holy and living God, we give you thanks for this day, for waking us up from our slumber, and we pray that as we hear this Word afresh and anew, that you, as the Word enfleshed, might show up in a mighty way afresh and anew this morning. That we might hear you calling our voice. That we might know that you are God and that you are with us. So God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. God, you are our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, Amen. It was in 2005 and uh, Hurricane Katrina had emerged and began to intensify, increasing in its category ratings. And meteorologists tried to predict where it was going to hit land, where it was going to have the greatest impact. And so a call was put out from uh, the United Methodist Committee on Relief, also known as UMCOR, the same uh, part and wing of the United Methodist Church that the uh, United Methodist men have recently collected flood buckets for. And so the call was put out for local churches to start gathering goods and supplies. Uh, and many of you here at Ebenezer took on that call as well. Uh, there are pictures that I've seen that flood buckets and flood buckets and flood buckets have filled the gym or the gathering room. So thank you for doing that for people who were in need uh, in 2005 in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. We did the same thing in Ohio, and I was able to skip school for a week. Thanks be to God for that. <laughs> so in 2005, we collected over five semi-truckloads of goods and supplies, baskets uh, and flood buckets in order to take to people in Louisiana and Alabama and Georgia and wherever it needed it. And we took things like shoes and bottled water and sand, sand, <laughs> Eyeglasses, medicine, anything that we could take to them. We packed it in those trucks. And then we watched. It's horrifying to watch as Hurricane Katrina had hit land, not just once, but twice. And then we saw the devastating pictures of the surges of water that had come in the city of New Orleans. 
devastating. For weeks, churches around the connection had collected these various items and part of this relief effort. And like I said, my home church, which I was able to skip school for an entire week, we went down there and we traveled from Ohio to New Orleans. And the, the trip was quick for many of us. We went because we wanted to be the church and we wanted to show up. We wanted to be with people in their grief and in their pain. But we also showed up because that's what the church does. Amen? Amen. The church shows up when people are in need, when there is pain, and when there is grief. We went down there and there was nothing we could do. Seriously. For three days we just sat there and did nothing. And then one of the local pastors had come by and said, well, we have all of these sandbags to fill. Can you help us do that? Absolutely. So we passed out some of the goods and the supplies. We filled the sandbags for three days it was a lot of sand. <laughs> the pastor came over to us on the last night that we were there and said, we are very grateful that you came to us. The supplies that you brought, we'll put them to good use as you have already seen. But more so, we're grateful because you came to be with us. It's been a lonely time filled with no hope, no contact with anyone else. And we wondered if anyone else was coming. Is there any hope going to come? We are thankful that you came to us, stood beside us, and stood with us, even in the muck and the mire. That's good news, amen? We are called to show up in the midst of the muck and the mire. We brought items that were of necessity, but they thought that they were great gifts. Beyond all of the items that we brought, the greatest gift that we brought was ourselves. Showing up, being present with people in their times of need, and even in their times of great loss and devastation. In the gospel lesson that we heard this morning from the gospel of John, we hear about that, how Jesus has come incarnate. We hear those eloquent words of John's gospel, the word, as Danny read, the eternal word of God, God from God, light from light, the same God that put the stars and the planets into their existent being and where they were placed in the moon and the stars and how they were in the sky. That same God has become flesh moved in with us, was present with us. John doesn't say that Jesus was some great ordained person who has come to be a representative from God. Rather, John says he was God. He wasn't some messenger. He was God. John's birth narrative is quite mysterious, right? It's quite esoteric, quite strange, if you ask me. It's obscure. John doesn't give us that good old hallmark representation, right? Or those Rockwellian paintings that we see at this time of year in those great Christmas cards that we get in the mail. There's no sheep. There's no donkey. There's no manger. And I'm not going to tell you the ox and the what, you know. There's no lambs, right? Thanks. There's no baby Jesus cuddled up in a manger on those pictures and on those cards that we receive. John begins his gospel by talking about the cosmological birth, the onset of Jesus Christ coming into our world. Who Jesus is and what he has come to do. In this short excerpt from John, we find out that Jesus is the word, right? And then we find out that Jesus is the light. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The word, word, I don't want to trip you up. The word, word, okay? The word, word in Greek means logos. Many of you have probably already found that out and understand that. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was God, and the Logos was with God. He was in the beginning since the very beginning. Logos means wisdom or source of truth and power. It is the divine nature of God at work in the cosmos and in our world, ordering it and giving it form and giving it life and giving it new life. But for us, what's a word? What does a word do? I don't know. I just talk a lot, right? But I had to look it up in the Oxford Dictionary, and here's what it said. Word is defined as an element of speech or writing or a command or a signal or an account of truth. Words communicate. They express ideas. They express thoughts and actions. In verse 1 and 2, John is not saying that the word created, but that the God that we have created through the word. The word is not saying that there is some heavenly being that is distinct from God, but that God has a function in the person of Jesus Christ. God created through the word. Could you hear the echo from John 1 to Genesis 1 in that creation story? In the beginning, it says, does that sound pretty familiar? In the beginning. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the deep. Then God said, let there be What? Let there be... Then God said, let there be... 8.15, they are woken up early and they got it louder than you. Come on. God said, let there be... Amen. (laughs) God didn't wave a magic wand or think creation into existence. He uttered a word. Let there be... Then God continued to create, bringing forth the dry land, bringing forth the creepy, crawly animals that we have in our basements or in our homes. Then God continued to bring forth, creating us, human, and his image. Bringing forth the vegetation and the dry plants, bringing forth the the fruit trees, bringing forth everything. And God stood back at the end of every day and said that it was... Amen. John 1, 3 tells us that all of this came into being through him. And without him, no thing, nothing came into being. Then, in an act of creation, yet again, John says in chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Literally. God is no longer far off and away in the distance. This is a God who has come near to us, not staying aloof and afar, detached from us. This God dared to risk entry into all of creation. In the indwelling of Jesus Christ, God literally dwelled among us. The Greek there is that God tented with us. God pitched his tent with us. That's crazy. But that's what the Greek says. God came and dwelt among us and pitched a tent with us. In the person of Jesus Christ, God became enfleshed and dwelt among us. God became incarnate. God became one of us so that we might know God, God's nature, God's mission, God's vision, God's love for us. This enfleshment of God in Jesus Christ is a source of wisdom and truth. And that is why Jesus had come to share with us the wisdom and truth of God. 
Jesus is God's word to the world, God's sermon to us. Jesus has come as the word incarnate to do a couple of things. This morning, I want to give you three of them. Jesus has come to be the fulfillment. That's number one. The second one is that Jesus has come to be the communicator, communication, and that Jesus has come to illuminate. Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter five, I have not come. Don't think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but I have come to fulfill them. Jesus goes on to communicate how it is with our relationship with God and how we need to and how we can be reconciled with God. Jesus communicates to us God's plan, God's mission, God's vision. Martin Luther said that Christ is a mirror into the Father's heart. And Christ, the Word incarnate, testifies to us, illuminating our lives and calls us to emulate that to the world. The Word of God, the light has come not to destroy our thinking or our reason or our capacity to think and reason, but it comes to bring us to our senses, to wake us up a little bit. Jesus comes to illuminate. The folks in Jesus' day had always preached and taught about how God was this off-in-the-distance demanding God, how God was going to smite you or condemn you because of one wrong deed, one wrong action. And sure, we have that in the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament, but Jesus came to say, my God, God, me incarnate, is merciful, is slow to anger, is abounding in steadfast love. That is God. Amen? Jesus has come to transform us, to change us, to change our perspective and to illuminate us and our path, all in an attempt to find out what we need in this world and we need a Savior. That's what we wanted from the very beginning, though we didn't know. Even now, all of our restless striving, our rushing here and our rushing there, our grabbing and getting, our buying and accumulating, all is an attempt to fill a void that we have, but that void is already filled because of Jesus Christ. The light of the world, the life, the way, and the truth. Amen? In Jesus, we have this example this model on how we are supposed to live as a standard for our relationship with God and our relationship with others, how we live and how we act and how we communicate and how we illuminate to others. And oftentimes, friends, we miss the mark. We sin. Jesus came to illuminate the fact that we are sinners. All of us. Did you hear that? All of us. We all need to acknowledge the fact that we have sinned against God and against one another. And Jesus came to say, but wait a minute, there is hope. I have come to bring hope to you. Jesus didn't come to condemn or make us feel bad, but to wake us up to the fact that we are missing the mark again and again. We are broken, that fact as well, and that we are in need of the Savior. That's why Jesus came, as the word of God, to communicate that to us and to illuminate that to us. In my preparation for preaching, I go through the Bible. Oh, shocker. (laughs) Right? 
But I, I have like tons of different translations on my shelves in my office and even more at home. And week after week, I, I, when I'm preaching, I have to look at these different translations and look at the differences amongst the uh, translations of Scripture. Some are very old. You know, there's a King James and then there's a New King James. And there's a NRSV and then there's an NRSV UE, which stands for the New Revised Standard Version Updated Edition. Woo, they updated it. They added and changed some words in there. But I look through the different uh, various scriptures in order to see what has been thought and passed down through the ages. God's word is timeless, is, was, and always will be. Amen? But here's the thing. We have different lenses and different translations, and we read it differently. So I picked up a couple of scriptures, a couple of Bibles, and the one I hadn't picked up in a long time. I pick up the Bible regularly. Hear that, okay? But this one I hadn't picked up in a long time. Mainly because the binding is falling apart. My great-grandfather's Bible. He's since gone on to glory, but he left me his Bible, gave it to me on his deathbed. And so I opened it up, was very careful with it. And I saw that front page where it said his name and where it said that he was receiving this Bible. And he received it from the orphanage where he had lived in the early 1900s. And then I kept peering through the rest of the scriptures, and I get to Genesis 1. And I see some faint red markings on that. And as I opened it a little bit more, I kept to see more faint red markings. And in every instance where God was creating in Genesis 1, my great-grandfather had highlighted it in red. Because in the Gospels, every time Jesus spoke, we see it in red, and it stands out. And in the margins of Genesis 1, he wrote, I don't know why this isn't in red. Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) And then he wrote, Jesus came into the world and creation came into being through him. Jesus is the word, not simply the black and red and or red ink on the white paper. Jesus is the living, breathing word that is God. A word that has taken on flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is a word of God in our midst. The word of scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's how faith is nourished and faith is born and our understanding is deepened and the possibilities for transforming the world are endless and they become apparent to us. 2 Timothy 3 talks about how all scripture is in, inspired by God for, and useful for teaching and useful for reproof and useful for correction and useful for training in righteousness. The word of God is a witness to us and for us. Amen? God has given us a standard to live by, an example to live by. God was no longer some attainable, far away, off in the distance God. This is a God who came near to us and lived a life like ours. Jesus is the word of God, our model, communicating to us what life is supposed to be. Jesus has called us as well to shine a light on ourselves. Are you in line with the heart of God or are you in line with your own priorities, your own wills, your own wants, your own desires? Where are you in line? Are you in limbo? Or are you in line with what God wants you to line up with? Jesus calls us to shine the light on ourselves and then to shine the light and go and be the light in the world. To let that light and that love shine to others. 
Second Peter, first Peter two says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. In order that you might proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're not called to be Christ. I said that. I'm going to say it again. We're not called to be Christ. We're called to be Christ-like. We're more called to be like John the Baptizer or John the Baptist, illuminating the paths for others and calling and testifying to people about God's light and God's love in the world to be that light and that love in the world. When we gather as a church, we affirm that calling of not being Christ, but being Christ-like. And we affirm that calling that we are to be like John the Baptizer. After every baptism at the church where I grew up, we would sing the song, the hymn, 585, check it, This Little Light of Mine. Do you know that song? Really? Do you know it? Hello? I I threatened the choir to sing that at 815. This little light of mine, I'm gonna... All through the night, I'm gonna... Everywhere I go, I'm gonna... Listen, don't end there. Keep going. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. We are called to go and be the light of Christ for others. Amen? Go and let it shine. I'm not done. Over the past couple of weeks, you, the beautiful and beloved people of Ebenezer, have let it shine. Angel Tree has adopted over 200 families, seniors and uh, also children. They have received gifts and food boxes because of your great generosity. And that would not have happened unless you heard that call and heeded to that call from Jesus Christ. 200 families that may or may not have a Christmas, but now they will because of your great generosity. You have taken the heed to be Christ in the world. Amen? Whatever darkness may surround you or threaten you or oftentimes try to overwhelm you, know this, that hope has come, that light has come to illuminate the darkness of our lives. And the extraordinary, beautiful thing about hope is that it points to somewhere beyond now. Hope does not claim that everything is fine in the here and now and that we don't have anything to worry about. But hope points to a future, a better future, one that is better than what we presently have. The word of God incarnate has come and is coming yet again. Our present pains will be gone. And God has come to offer us hope and redemption. To heal the scars that we have in our lives and on our lives of division, of brokenness, of ugliness, and of shame. Christ comes to change us and to transform us. Even the deepest, darkest darkness is no longer impenetrable because light has come. And my friends, light will prevail. The darkness will be quenched. And in Christ, the word of God is enfleshed and all things will be made new because salvation has come and is coming. It's been set in motion, but it hasn't been fulfilled yet. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not overcome it. The work 
that we are called to do is not yet done. It's begun, but it hasn't been finished. This season is a reminder to us of something that happened, but also something that is happening yet again. Something that we reestablish in our hearts and our minds and our spirits time and time again. And it's going to happen. Christ is going to come. The Word is and was and always will be. The Word of God in flesh is Jesus the Christ. He has come and He's coming again. Jesus Christ has shown us what it looks like to be light and life. So go. Get up. Listen, don't leave yet. <laughs> We're not done. <laughs> this is the first task. We get up and then we go forward to be the light and the love in the world. Amen? In just a few short weeks, we will sing together Silent Night at Christmas Eve. We'll have these candles in our hands and then we'll share that light with others. And that's what we are called to do. That's what Christ calls us to do as the word of God incarnate. Go and share and spread that light with someone else. My friends, this day, may we go and share that love and that light with all people. Amen.